everybody, and welcome back to Don't Quit Your Day Job. My name is Paul. Today, very special, all the way from Texas, and it's not as hot here in the live 222 Ormsby. Uh, normally, we do this remotely, but it's nice to have an actual touring band in the house at the venerable and aromatic uh, 222 Ormsby. We have... Hans Gruber and the Diehards. Hey, hey, hey! <laughs> they're all wow. sitting in here. There's only one mic, so they're gonna they're gonna hop in and out. Uh, right now, Kurt is sitting. Kurt, uh, state your full name and occupation for us, please. Uh, I am Kurt Armstrong, and my occupation. I always say that I am a vocalist and trombone player for Hans Gruber and the Diehards. Uh, unfortunately, to make money, I have to work in a food truck called Biscuits and Groovy. Okay, so you make biscuits and gravy, I'm presuming. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's a, it was a great guess. <laughs> and how is the food? It's good. I mean, it's fine. Like, yeah. it's, I have it every day, so your opinion of it, I think, changes over time. But, like, it's a decent food truck. It's good. Yeah, I, can, I enjoy it. Okay, okay. And so for a job like that, I'm presuming, because you're on tour right now and you guys actually play a lot of shows, you can just take off and do shows and go back to work? Well, for now... Uh, we'll see how long that lasts. Uh, my boss, John, has been very gracious okay. and let me leave. Um, I'm sure that it might wear on him eventually. Okay. All right. Cool. So Hans Gruber and the Diehards, as listeners may remember, were brought up in a recent show by Richard Dean Gert III from the Sneaky Heat Missiles in one of our In Defensive episodes. So I think anyone who listens to the show knows that I'm not a fan of ska. Or let's let's put it more objectively, ska is bad, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and so he played a song of yours, and I was like, yeah, this song is great because it's not a ska song, <laughs> right? So that, of course that's easy to defend to me if it's not a ska song. Right. So, yeah. you know, what do you what do you guys think about all of that? Well, I think uh, what one of the interesting things about ska to me is that the second you start putting upstrokes into your music, you become a ska band. Right. Um, and that's actually one for of the worse. <laughs> it is for worse. But actually, <laughs> that's one of the things I like about the genre is they let you explore various musical sounds so much more than any other genre I've been associated or worked with. I feel like as a ska band, you can come in and you can play straight up hip hop half the time. And if you use some upstrokes, everyone's like, yeah, welcome aboard. You can play here. You can do whatever you want. And that's, I think, the beautiful, cool thing about ska is you just can you mash mean from, from a scene perspective. Yeah, from a scene perspective. Okay. I think that's okay. one of the things like, and that's why when, you know, Richard brought you that song. Like, is is it a ska song? Objectively, it's not, but we're right. a ska band. Okay. It's like, it is a, you know, straight up, it's a mix of thrash and hardcore and like, right. Uh, right. just a good old time. <laughs> and I often say that more people dislike ska than like ska, right? So, but you, you, oh, could, yeah. you could say that about kind of any genre, right? More mm -hmm. people dislike death metal than like death metal, oh, right? Yeah. But... It, do you inherently limit your audience by saying that you're a ska band when you can do a lot more? So I think that, and that's what goes back to what I was saying here a few seconds ago. Ska, if you're, if you play thrash or metal, and you have a punk song, 
you don't become a punk band. Right. But that's fair. If you play one ska song, you become a ska band. It just doesn't matter. <laughs> However, the exception would be internationally. Internationally, you go to Central South America or uh, Japan. That's where ska is wildly popular. Yeah. There are plenty of bands that are not ska bands that play ska songs, and it's okay. Right. It's not a big deal. It's not like you become a ska band. It's just another genre you play and put in. Yeah, I think we do a good job of when we're when we're labeling ourselves. Wait, be, before you continue, you gotta you gotta sit in the seat. You oh. gotta introduce yourself. You oh, gotta it's warm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is uh, so I'm Chris Thompson. I am a drummer and part songwriter for Hans Gruber and the Diehards. Okay, cool. And your day job? Do you have a day job? Well, I mean, my professional job is Hans Gruber and the Diehards at this point. Okay, uh, cool. My, my day job uh, when I'm in Austin is split between working in a fulfillment warehouse. Uh, where I roll movie posters and put them into tubes and package nice. them. Nice. Uh, as well as rideshare driving. Okay, cool. Um, just try cool. to make up the bills. So now that I dislodged your train of thought, what what point were you trying to make? Oh, so when, when oh no, I'm good. I, I'm one track on that. Uh, we <laughs> So we we never just say we're a ska band. We kind of never have. Uh, we, we've, we've had iterations of how we would express ourselves. And I think more recently, we kind of sit with, along the lines of like, we are a punk thrash hardcore ska band with latin influence is kind of an overarching because we do like from the songwriting perspective which a lot of it's me and kurt there's a lot of hardcore and thrash punk elements that go into it right. and funny enough kurt doesn't really even like punk so um wow. but, but we vibe on certain bands i'm uh, gonna sorry kurt you have to leave two 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 orange right this <laughs> but like we 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 vibe on certain things like like municipal waste and iron reagan and, and yeah. thrash metal in yeah. general and i'm huge like big four fans stuff like that uh and then kurt and rosie bring in a lot of the latin kind of influence between uh, international ska bands as well as bands that do more cumbia and things like that. But like, yeah, I grew up in Connecticut and Massachusetts. I grew up with uh, early, you know, 90s ska stuff that was happening in New York, Connecticut, Mass, right, as well right. as a lot of the hardcore stuff. And, you know, so we can never just say we're a ska band. Um, and, and funny enough is while throughout our tours, we play a lot of shows that are very ska focused. Everyone in this room will tell you our favorite shows are when they're not, uh -huh. uh, because we'd rather impress that other audience. Cause you're right. Some people, right. there is, there is an overarching, uh, you either love ska or you don't. And, and there's not a show that goes by where somebody doesn't walk up and go, man, I really don't like ska, but I like you guys. Right. And it's like, Oh cool. Like, I appreciate that. I want you to like our band. I want you to be involved in what we're doing because I think, from all points of entertainment, musical direction, I think we're, you know, we're doing something that we find to be fun for ourselves and unique and you don't need to pigeonhole the sky. And we've been asked so many times, like, what if you guys like, you guys are like discrediting yourself by calling yourself sky. Right. But here's right. the thing. I only, I only like when, when it was approached, Hey, we want to start a band you know, from scratch and we want you to drum. It's going to be a punk ska band. I would have never said yes. And then not said ska. Like my first band ever was a ska band. I've been doing ska on and off throughout the years. I had bands in Connecticut. I had bands in Boston and I had it in, uh, in Austin, Texas. And so we started off on the premise of being a ska band. And, and I love the fact that we always are, but we'll never limit ourselves in songwriting to just being a ska band. We want to always explore different things. And even in new tracks we've recorded that no one's heard. There's a song on there that's like super like Gogo -go Badello sounding and things like that. You know, or I love when we get comparisons like you guys are like system of a down. And at first you're like, what the <laughs> fuck? But, but then you go back and you think about it and like what system of a down doing? 
they're doing a lot of shift vocal genre blending, yeah. genre blending. Yeah. And like, you know, that or Mr. Bungle or Blue Meanies, who Blue Meanies is a great example of a band who gets pigeonholed as ska. But if you really dig into their catalog, you're like, they're really not that ska. What, what about the opposite effect where you're on a ska bill and people are listening to five ska bands in a row and then you guys come on and destroy everything? Yeah, it's right. It's so, our but, favorite moment. Yeah, 100%. But then our, our, ska, our ska people... Like, well, th- this band I, sucks. They're they're not generally online. Yes, online. If we were put next to five ska bands, a diehard ska person, ska person, like especially like the Reddit based ska crowd or Twitter yeah. ska, might not vibe on us. But every time we play live, we take them. Like right. I, I think we because of our live show, because of how we perform and what we do, people get caught in the moment and forget that they need to be bigoted towards you know, the genre right. of ska and that right. we're not ska enough. Yeah, we are. We are. So, so what's funny. I mean, obviously I, for a guy that doesn't like ska, I talk about a ska a lot on this show for some reason. <laughs> right. And, and, and I'm not sure why, but the reality is I don't ever choose to listen to it. Right. I'm not going to yeah. put on a ska record. I'm not going to listen to ska on Spotify or whatever, but I do go to ska shows sometimes because they're often mixed bills and they're always fun, right? They're they're always fun. And I brought my son, who's not a young person, last night, right? He's in his late 20s. And he was like, yeah, this is not my thing, but it was great. He took a bunch of videos, you guys dancing on the bar. There's, By the way, there's a great shot. They played last night in Youngstown at Westside Bowl. Shout out to Westside Bowl. Um, of you guys when you got on the bar and the bartender's just like looking at you like, what the fuck is happening here? <laughs> Who we didn't even know until after was the owner. <laughs> Oh, is that the owner? That's the owner. Oh, okay. Well, he loved great. us, by the way. Yeah. And so he was like, it was like a nonplussed look up at you guys. Like, yeah, okay. Um, fine. Uh, but uh, it was a Wednesday, not a ton of people, right? But the people that were there enjoyed it, right? And so that's, I guess that's the best that you can hope for when you're a small indie touring band from Texas, right? Absolutely. Right. I think, uh, you know, the, one of the compliments we all have heard at different times is like, man, there was only 10 people in the room. I feel like you played just as hard as if there was 150. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, every band should be doing that. Right. But also, not to sound rude, I'm not always playing for the crowd, man. I love my band. I love the people that yeah. I share the stage with. And drumming is like one of my favorite things to do in this world. So the second I get up there, it doesn't matter who's in the crowd. It Personally, like I need to give it my all. I want to give it my all. I want to break half my drum kit when I'm playing. Like, so so that's fair, right? Anybody that's been in a touring band, lots of people who listen to the show, myself, we've all been in spots though where you're just like, yeah, I'm, I'm just a little bit tired of playing to three people. I'm just a little bit tired of that, right? So then... Like, so, like, how do you push through that? Yeah. So my, this is one of those advice things I say to a lot of younger touring bands when we meet them. Um, why have expectations? I, I think, I think part of the, the hindrance of touring is that some expectation that you're going to play every night and it's going to be a great crowd. Yeah. My expectation is for instance, last night was the first time we were ever in Youngstown. I'm first time I've said the town, right? Um, so <laughs> why would I expect there to be a lot of people on a Wednesday night? I think you need to play a smaller town or city three to five times before you even build an expectation right. or understand the community, the venues, et cetera, the right. places to play versus not. So I want to play three to five times in Youngstown. And 
each time you play there, you're hopefully playing with different bands. We're going to impress hopefully those band members and the few friends they brought. The next time we go, we'll probably see a slightly bigger audience. And you build on that and you build on that community. Right. And some places are way better about like their own local support. Yeah. Uh, we'll never stop talking about Yuma, Arizona from the very first show to the fifth show. They've just been fantastic. But like, yeah, I, it's cool. I sure I would love to always play to more people. It's financially beneficial to a touring band to you know right, make sure we have right. gas money, motel money, and all that jazz. But like, I'm not going to get that on day one. And even last night, this guy came up to us. He goes, "God, I wish you guys could have played on like a Friday or Saturday because yeah. it's going to be so full of people here. This place just rocks." I'm like, "Yeah, you know, you can't have seven of those a week. Right. You're a touring band. You right. you got to play somewhere on a Wednesday. Right. You know, we we tend to take Mondays off. Those tend to be actually the hardest day sometimes to book. Yeah. But like, you got to play somewhere Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It's the only way to be." you know, to make this work financially so that we're not losing money, which is something we hear from a lot of bands. We're like, how do you guys make money on tour? Well, we tour longer than you on average, right? We do 25 to 30 day tours usually, if not 50, unfortunately, but we do, we do, we do drives that are shorter than five hours. You want to spend less time in the van, more time exploring, more time meeting other people, getting to sit down and do podcasts, having dinner with somebody that you're playing with or a fan that invites you somewhere like, all of those things make touring financially more feasible because we're not always paying for food. And, and that's not to sound weird. It's, just, it's such a beautiful thing to sit with people in different parts of the country and eat the food they make and sit and share that around a table, right. but also to spend that quality time and get to know people. Cause you know what? They're coming to your next show and they're going to tell everyone like, man, right. house Gibber was really nice. Came over our house. They washed our dishes. <laughs> like, you know, so yeah, just a long roundabout way. Like, I'm going to play to three to five people to 15 people the first couple of times I play somewhere. Uh, and you know, it's going to take those few shows and sometimes different places pop off, but you know, that's the advice is you got to tour a little bit longer, uh, drive a little bit shorter, but you got to keep going back. I've, I've talked to bands that flat out state, you know, we're just not going to do long tours anymore. We're yeah. going to do Thursday, Friday, Saturday, because we'll make money and there'll be people at that show, those shows. Because if we do longer things, we're just losing money at the end. We've never lost money on one tour. Not okay. once. After expenses, we've never technically lost money. And even by the first tour, the very first tour we ever did, four members of the band, because at the time we were a four piece, put in $200 each. And we didn't take the money back when we earned it, but we did earn it back. We just left it for the band. Yeah. But every tour since then, which has been seven years, we have made the money to fund the next album, the next video production. Right, right. So like, you know, yeah, you're, you can sit and be weekend warriors, but like, where are you going? Cause the other thing is we try to avoid bigger cities on the weekends when we can, cause you, you try to do Chicago on a Friday, or Saturday, you might have a killer show, but honestly, the last time we were in Chicago was a weekday. And that was one of my favorite Chicago shows we've yeah, played yeah. because you're, you're competing against an entire city's worth of events. Like everybody is there doing something, yeah. you know, like, can we compete with the Lebanese festival that's happening this weekend? No. Cause yeah. we all want to be there. We don't want to play. We want to go eat food. Right. So, <laughs> But yeah, you you know, we had we had some friends that were touring from Austin to Portland to San Diego and back in two weeks. And it's like, oh man, are you gonna go back in a year? Cause like you need to hit your market once a year if, yeah. if possible. Yeah. We try to break up the US into like three different markets, which is East Coast, West Coast, Midwest. Right. And we try to hit certain places as often as we can. The the goal really would be three times per major markets that, that yeah. you find with your band. But it, it really, you're just doing a vacation if you're a band that's only going out on weekends or, you know, some bands are like probably more fortunate. If they're bigger, they can do the weekend warrior shit. We, we can't, I mean, we need to, right. we want to, we, you know, the better communities tend to be the smaller towns and you're not getting to as many smaller towns if you tour short. 
Cool. Then let's let's yeah you, you go ahead and and again you have to introduce yourself and tell us what you do. Okay, I'm taking the hot seat. I am yep. Rosie Armstrong. I play tenor sax and do secondary lead vocals in Hans Grimm and the Die Hearts. Also play uh, tenor sax in a band called Los Curados uh, back in Austin. Okay, Mexican cool. ska band. Yeah, your favorite genre. Yeah. <laughs> I would probably like it better than like whatever ska is. Well, that's I, true. I am There's coming a... around to ska is not like just the thing I have in my head right. from the 90s. The 90s yeah. white yeah. monolith that it was in America. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Not all white, but... Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, so that's what I do and love, but for money, I um, work for a general contractor who's also an architect, so sort of do construction, but it's a smaller company, um, so do s- kind of jack-of-all-trades, so I help with project management um, slash construction management as well as like actually being in the field and... Um, doing punch list stuff and one day we'll do a little bit of sheetrock one day we'll you know just right. kind of everything but right. it's usually um usually not like a bigger thing that we would usually subcontract out it's okay. like some of the smaller stuff yep. and maybe painting stuff and staining and always punch list always and always cleaning and picking up lots of trash <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then i also like clean airbnbs uh for okay. a living too like kind of do both of those yep. things so cool so where I was going to hop in on the hot seat with with uh, not losing money on tour. Um, another thing we also do is we we do try to like do things as cheaply as possible. So we're always asking, hey, can we crash somewhere? Mm-hmm. And if people offer, yes, we bring our air mattresses and we just try to um, not spend money on hotels for as much as we can. Right. And um, I mean, food too. Just I mean, we like to try. We'll spend a little bit there because we just are all like happy fat kids that love to eat interesting <laughs> food. Um, but we also sometimes we bring the Instapot, which we haven't done these last couple of tours because we've been really fortunate. But we'll bring the Instapot and cut up vegetables and stuff and make make a soup. You know, like right. there's there's yeah. ways to do stuff yeah. uh, cheaply. So. Anyway, that was my little way in there. Cool, but then you can you can stay on the hot seat. I want to switch to to social media. Okay. Social media sucks and yes. is <laughs> unavoidable, yep. right? But it's really hard for any podcast, band, whatever to figure out how to cut through any of it, right? Um so I after Rick introduced me to you guys, I started following you. And so now I see you in my feed, right? But at mm-hmm. some point, you're going to fall out of my feed because right. there's a million other things. Right. So what can you do to prevent that? Oh, God. Who knows? <laughs> uh, you know, I think we're all sort of guessing. Like, we've heard things and we try things. Yeah. Um, I will say for me, I mean, me, I'm one of the ones that does it a lot. Kurt does as well. Um, I mean, I think it's tough because, like, staying engaged with people, like, just... Actually, like actually meeting people that you've met online in real life and mm-hmm. then like continuing those relationships is honestly the best way to right, do it. Right. Um, and obviously we do stupid things like funny things like, oh, we're, we went to this weird free place, which is another way we kind of save money on tours. Yeah. We look up Atlas Obscura, like what's a weird uh, one free of, one thing. One of my favorite things in the world. Yeah. Great, and we yeah. always look for the, the free things. And I think that that also does give us good content because we're like... <laughs> look at we went to the precious moments chapel like people are like what the fuck you know and it's like yeah it was weird to the largest ball of twine in kansas we haven't done that yet we need to it's pretty great we did go to um uh oh we did go to the largest belt buckle that was in uh uranus 
in Missouri. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> what about the center of the contiguous United States? Yeah, yeah. Isn't that in Tulsa? It's, no, it's in Kansas, uh, actually. Well, yeah. There's multiple centers. There's also the one out by the center of the world, out by Yuma. Right. Everyone claims, uh, like, claims a center of something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're literally right out the center of the universe. Right here. <laughs> um, we went to, a, who, who what, what president was it? The peanut one? Peanut president Jimmy, Jimmy Carter. Thank you, yeah. Jimmy Carter. We went. We were just happened to be driving through his hometown, and we're like, I mean, come on, it's a tiny. Let's yeah, fucking stop. That's cool. And it was actually very cool, yeah, because like the, um, they had little like one room schoolhouse kind of thing that he went to high school in, and they made that the museum. So just the architecture alone is interesting. Um, and then they were like, Oh, have you been to the farm? And we were like, Excuse me, the farm? And they're like, There's cats there. And you can pick any of the vegetables from the farm. And I was like, we're going to the farm. Wow, yeah. That, that, that's, <laughs> I don't know why cool. I made that yeah, British. He's, British, he's definitely not British. <laughs> Y'all go to the farm? Is that better? <laughs> so, so back to the social media thing yes. for one more question, uh, which is, um, you're going to go on tour. You're going to go on tour for a month or mm-hmm. whatever. How are you, you're going to the next city. How are you trying to like get in front of those people virtually, right? To make sure that people go to the show. Are you relying almost entirely on whatever local support there is? Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean... We're, we're making posts every day. On true. Instagram, Facebook. And we preload all the well, yeah. stuff with the tour dates and Spotify now. Yeah. yeah, I guess maybe I'm just um, more of a... A pessimist. I'm just like, yeah, well, I don't, we're relying on that. <laughs> I mean, I am doing all the work. We are doing sometimes a TikTok. It depends on how much energy I have, but... Right. Typically, you know, we've been doing a post and then we've been trying to do like a little video or reel, which... Are you doing something every day? Is that yeah. Oh, the yeah. objective? Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. I okay. mean, we'll also do like a tour poster and then sometimes, usually Kurt, we'll do like a a tour video, which lists all the dates and we'll try to get that out okay. for like the tour announcement, which there's always some buzz with that. Yeah. Uh, there's the daily dose of dairy. There's, there's the drummer daily dose of dairy, which okay. is a hashtag I just made up and I keep hashtagging even though no one else does that because I'm <laughs> stupid. Um, well, we've, we've gotten to the point where every show there's probably at least a couple people who are out specifically for us. Okay. True. So now you're going to have to get on the hot seat now and, and introduce yourself. Dang it. Okay. Okay. Hold that thought though. Right. I'm trying to have, the other thing that Kurt has been working a lot on that's been really helpful is um, I think you can link your dates on Spotify. So yep. even if you have Spotify yep. listeners, they tell it'll tell your listeners or followers. Or is it just followers? Listeners, listeners and followers, like, when your dates are. And that's right. through Bands and, and, and I got the notification, actually, from Spotify. Oh, interesting. Hey, Hans, See, that's Gruber, good to know. Hans Gruber is in your area. Okay. Yeah. It worked. Yeah, Where? it worked. I don't think enough bands do it. Praise yeah. to the algorithm. Yeah. So, yeah, so now you can cash okay. your check for millions now, right? Yeah, That's yeah. <laughs> millions of point zero 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 one. Yes. Scabucks. Scabucks. Yeah. Hey, okay. I'm uh, Michael Murray. Uh, my day job back home is uh, I play poker for a living, and I what? Uh, I also <laughs> I also subsidize that with uh, some rideshare, Uber and Lyft. Wait. That's not a job. (laughs) It makes money. Pays the bills. Wow. (laughs) That is interesting. All right. Put a pin in that because I have some questions. Okay. Um, But but you were saying that there are people coming out to your shows now. And Mm -hmm. you play guitar. Sorry. You also play guitar in in Hans Gruber and the Die Hearts. Right. Okay. So people are coming out to the shows. Different from three tours ago, you know, is it always growing, I guess? So I, I've only been with the band for about two years. Okay. But I, I do feel like it's grown each tour a little bit. Uh, last tour was one of the more fun ones when it came to this. 
because we played a big festival over in the Philly area called This Is Not Croydon Fest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then through the rest of the tour, we like probably a third to half the shows would have somebody who would come up to us and be like, hey, I saw you at Croydon Fest. Now you're in my hometown. Yeah. So we had a lot of that. That's cool. And it's it's one of those things with people coming out for us. Sometimes they're local, but we've had a lot of people who travel like an hour or two to come to one of our shows. So when you were asking earlier, you know, when you're playing to five people on a Tuesday night, uh, regardless of that, I'm always going to try to put on a high energy show. But knowing that there's people in certain cities that have traveled a couple hours to see us, you want to make sure even if there's only five people in that room that you made it worth their time when they took out that much time to come support your band. I, so I, uh, lots of bands like say that and, and seeing you guys last night, I, obviously my opinion is that, that you bring it right. But it's, it's easy to say that and it can often be harder to do on a, on a consistent basis. Right. Mm-hmm. So I really feel like I'm older than all of you guys. Um, but I've had shows where I'm just like, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try here, but if you're not feeling it, it's hard to fake that, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, every once in a while, that old Against Me song, tonight we're going to give it 35% pops <laughs> into my head. But, um, but as a musician, you know, I always try to think back to my teenage years of when I was, you yeah. know, pro- probably the biggest music fan anyone ever is, is in their teenage yeah. years. And yeah. I try to think of, you know, reading interviews, watching shows and seeing bands that kind of took on that mentality of we're, we're going to play as if it's a big show every night whether or not it is yeah and i guess my mentality as a touring musician is i'm always trying to impress my teenage self yeah yeah that's uh that's a there there's the grabber for the uh podcast title right there i'm always trying to impress my teenage self but 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 it but it it makes sense right if you think about the like everyone all of you guys, Kurt and I could have talked last night. We were talking outside of the venue. I mean, we could have talked about music for hours. My son was sitting there on his phone. He's like, Jesus, can we go get something to eat? <laughs> um, but you guys all care about music. And I, I think that's that's indicative in, in what you're doing, right? And if you can remember the importance that music had to you at some point in your life, then, then maybe, yeah, you can push through those times when you're just like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not feeling this. So, so that's a, it's a great point. Um, poker is again, not, it's not an occupation. <laughs> uh, ska isn't good and poker is not an <laughs> occupation. So th- those are my two things. Con- those are my two conclusions I'm, right now. I'm a guitarist who plays a fake genre of music and has a fake job. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, th- obviously there's skill in, in playing poker, right? Mm-hmm. But how can you, is there like a poker game every night where you can just go and, and make uh, money? Austin has a very thriving poker community. Okay. Uh, we've got at least one, if not multiple poker houses that are open 24 hours a day. So I can go at any point in the day and play poker. Okay. Uh, I've recently, as of this tour started, uh, dipping my toes into the online poker community. Uh, online poker is going to be typically a much stronger player pool. So it's a little bit tougher to make money there. Um, so this tour, I'm just kind of playing very low stakes. Uh, thus far I've been profitable, but not to the degree that I want to be yet. Right. Um, Right. But my big goal is that, you know, right right now I always tell people the most stressful part about this band is I'm trying to 
make 12 months worth of money in nine months. And that's pretty tough to do. Yeah. Uh, if yeah. I can start playing poker four to eight hours a day while we're on the road, all of a sudden that becomes very easy. Um, cool. But it's the, the poker and musician lifestyle have a very interesting push and pull. Obviously, I'm very lucky in that I don't have a boss. If I want to go on tour, I just stop playing poker, stop driving for Uber, and right, I'm on the road. Right. The unlucky part is with poker, even though it is very much a game of skill, in the short term, it is gambling. Yeah. So I have yeah. weeks where I'll lose $2,000 plus, um, which means that the month before tour, the month after tour, I'm primarily doing ride share. Yeah, the okay. months in between tour, I'm primarily playing poker. Okay. But when I... You know, when we're a week out from tour, I, I can't afford to lose $2,000. Right. I can't really take that risk. When we come back from tour, even though the band on the road has always been profitable as individuals, we're not covering our bills back home. Right, right. So I come home with a very small bank account, which, again, can't afford to lose a bunch of money. So I'm going to be right. primarily driving. I just think about $2,000, man. I could buy a guitar with that money. <laughs> yeah. And I don't yeah. want to not have But then you have, guitar. like, the two-week stretches where you make ten k. Yeah. So... It, it evens out over the long run. God, that would make me so stressed out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, it, it does. And, and one of the things, so be, before the pandemic, uh, I had a sales job and I was considering quitting it uh, and doing just ride share and poker for a living. Okay. Uh, I was playing a lot of poker at the time and doing very well. But obviously quitting your job is always a, a big deal. scary yeah, yeah. Uh, endeavor. Yeah. I, I got lucky. Instead of quitting, they uh, left Austin. I got a severance package. Unfortunately, that's when the pandemic happened. So instead of being able to use that severance package and play a lot of poker, right. I was stuck at home and just, you know, trying to keep the community as safe as possible by not going out and spreading COVID. Right, right. Um, but cool, cool. Well, before we run out of time, we have one more person in the band who should get on the get on the hot seat. Go ahead and introduce Hello. yourself. I'm Andrew Dangerfield. It's my government name. Everybody calls me Danger. Okay. Um, I play bass. That's about it in the band. And uh, a little fretless bass, yeah. It's easier. There's less going on there. You have the coolest name in the band by far. <laughs> Thanks. I got lucky with that. Yeah. Um, my day job, um, I don't have one right now. Lately, it's been just bar backing, easy money. I've been in a lot of restaurant management beforehand, but you can't really okay. pop in and out of that. Right. Um, going back to the topic of like a consistent, like full send show all the time, I pulled like my motivation from that comes from uh, working in restaurants and like I worked, uh, managed a ramen shop for several years and just the idea of like, if that soup's not hot every time, they're not going to come back. Mm -hmm. And the concept of like someone goes and like sees your band, comes to your restaurant, whatever, has a good time. They tell their friends about it. Yeah. They hype that up. And if you don't deliver yeah. on that, then it's lost. Like you have to keep building on that and never yeah. let it die. Yeah. But again, the, the, just thinking about the stress of that, right? So mm -hmm. a band trying to build a career, right? Trying to do this as a way to express yourselves, but also as a way to survive, right? It's mm -hmm. it's such a difficult thing to do. And if you're constantly trying to climb the mountain, mm -hmm. doesn't it just get less fun at some point? Nah. Oh yeah. Even though you're a ska band, it gets better. It's so weird. It's yeah, so weird. It, it can be like pretty Sisyphean at times, but you just gotta keep pushing that rock, man. Yeah. 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 Uh, my, uh, there are a few people asked me to ask about your hairdo, like, 
Uh, Mostly the question was why. Why? Uh, Well, my (laughs) as my friend told me, uh, my hair started running away from my face. Okay. (laughs) Trimmed off what wasn't uh, what wasn't as healthy left in the back. You know, like it's easy being a pretty like white white presenting person to uh, fit into a bill as a shaved head individual. So yeah, yeah. Avoid that. You know, keep a little party in the back. Yeah. Keeps me from being grouped into some certain different demographics. Right, right on. <laughs> then let's talk about the nuts and bolts of, of being a band. Gear, right? Gear breaks, you have to get new stuff or you want to get new stuff. You need van, transportation, things cost money. Mm-hmm. Uh, my experience has often been that people in bands fall into roles, right? Uh, he's the merch guy and, and I do the social media and he books the tours. How, how do you guys handle all of like the day-to-day management of the band. I'm pretty new, but probably hand it off one of these Yeah, okay. (laughs) Kurt again. Uh, So a lot of that falls onto me, Chris, and Rosie, and we try to keep it as even as we can. There's going to be certain weeks or months that one person has a bit more work than others, and that's just, I mean, that's any business, because unfortunately this is a music business, and that's the shitty part of it. Yeah. but for the most part, things like the van, we're very fortunate. Uh, Chris's father-in-law lets us borrow the van he has. Cool. Pretty much we pay for half the maintenance. And so if something breaks on the road, that's up to us to fix. Right. Um, in terms of social media, me and Rosie take care of a lot of that. Uh, we've, and that's all just a learning experience. You know, we're all, we're all guessing here, figuring it out. And unfortunately, the best way to do it is... As much as it sucks is, you know, having to engage one or two hours a day. Like, mm-hmm. it sounds like a lot, but if you just devote a little bit to do it, it's yeah. just something you have to do. Um, songwriting's been pretty natural. Me and Chris kind of have always had the bulk of that work we've been doing. Uh, Rosie has been stepping up and beginning to do some songwriting in the past few um, years, which has been nice because we've always wanted to have, it's nice to have a female voice yeah. added in yeah. with uh, that very masculine voice between the two of us. Right. Uh, yeah, represent literally <laughs> the better half of the species. Uh, and I think other than that, finances are probably the most difficult and confusing and frustrating part. We've been very fortunate as a band to, like I said, we haven't really had to put money in for years it's been kind of making money for itself and growing, but um, before tour, you're having to spend at the point for us literally thousands of dollars on merch. Like we, right. I right. would rough estimate just in merchandise for this tour, we probably did five or six k, and it's like, but you make your money back, yeah, and we always make it back, but. But it's a big outlay to start with. Yeah, it's a big yeah, risk, and yeah. it's hard to if you don't have those funds right up front. It's tough to get that going. You yeah, know, yeah. dropping a thousand dollars as a four-piece band, I'm sure, is terrifying for anybody because yeah. you don't know if you're going to make it back. But it's you know, like the poker, <laughs> it's a it's a gamble you got to take, and the yeah. payoff is the payoff can be really good, and the payoff cannot be the best. Yeah. But the best part about merch is that if you buy too much, you know. You'll, you always have more shows to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, then one more thing here before I let you guys get back to it. You have a show tonight here here in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, um, and the the last question here is 
what's the point, right? What's the objective here? Is the objective to do the 80s thing, sign to EMI, buy your sports cars, you know, <laughs> crash, go to jail, go to rehab, that sort of thing? Is that the objective for Hans Gruber and the Die Hearts? Uh, you know, I, <laughs> it is for some of the band, apparently. Uh, for, for me, the objective has always been that when I started playing music, I've it was one of the first things in my life where I felt like good at it. I mm-hmm. felt like this is something that's meaningful and I can actually contribute to the world. Mm-hmm. Cause when I'm, when I'm working in the food industry, it's like, yeah, someone enjoys my food. I guess it's fine, but it doesn't feel like I'm making a, an impact. Right. But I want people to hear our music, to see our live show and, for that brief moment to just feel joyful, mm-hmm. to feel a positive experience, because that's because the world sucks. Because the world sucks, <laughs> and it's it, it's nice to know when people come up after a set and tell me how much fun they had, yeah. how yeah. how big of a smile they had, how you know we can be goofy little butts on stage, and the fact that people are like, that was the most fun I've had in months. Yeah. You know, yeah. we've. And that's a good positive experience we can bring. I, I'm not always going to be able to tell the world and give a good social message like other bands can. Mm-hmm. And there are so many bands who do a great job of that. Right. But my goal has always been to make sure that when people come, they cannot think about the shitty part of the world. Right, right. Then maybe very last thing here wardrobe malfunctions on stage i mean (laughs) there's no secret here kurt uh performs in his underwear so so has have they just completely torn or fallen off or anything uh no there was a show in uh, columbus where i was sliding down a um skate ramp and it did rip the back half so the ass was hanging out (laughs) penis hasn't really flopped out there was well there's one show with los corrados where i had a bad pair of underwear and you know it it said hello for a hot second but i got rid of that pair of underwear that was a i I test them now whenever i get them i bend down and i move around to make sure that there's no malfunctions if it did happen at a show i think that i would just keep going and accept my fate and i think that's the best you can do because yeah, yeah. uh, the show must go on. <laughs> on on our first tour um kurt's second kurt's underwear has a different color right in the crotch area okay. uh, where it flaps open and every once in a while i would catch that with my eyes and i thought it was his pubes sticking out and would just always <laughs> kind of turn away and by the second tour i was like oh no that's just a different color of fabric <laughs> Wait, how long did this take you to realize? Uh, the first tour was like a nine to 12 day tour. So. Okay. And it wasn't like every night that I was catching sight of this, but yeah. Because I would expect like the poker guy to be aware of everything that's happening, right? Typically, I try to pay more attention to faces than crotches on okay. playing poker. Okay. That, that's, that's fair. Another pull quote right there for the, for the, for the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Thanks uh, to everyone who's listening and supporting the podcast. As always, it is 
always, it is very much appreciated. Thanks to Hans Gruber and the Diehards. You should 1000% check them out, even if you think Scott's terrible like I do. Uh, it is worth it. Their live show is phenomenal. Uh, check them out. Hans Gruber and the Diehards, thanks for being here in the house. I appreciate it. We appreciate Thank it. You. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah.